Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Good evening and uh Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. It is uh, it has been a while. It, uh, we took the month of August off just to rest and uh, take life a little bit easy and get caught up with some things that we needed to to get caught up on. And so now we are here again. And I'm so grateful that uh, for the privilege of being here again. Uh, we have been for the past seven months teaching on getting to know the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to continue that training, but uh, teaching, we're going to be looking at the spiritual gifts, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you will. Um, Before I do that, though, let me open up in a, I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, And there are, in this chapter, it's a fairly lengthy chapter, but I want to read it all because I, because it just it's um, very apropos to what we are going to be discussing on this evening, and perhaps for the next uh, for the remainder of this month before moving on to yet another uh, series of teachings uh, yet to be revealed by the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your smartphone or tablet, turn with me, if you will, to First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. We're going to start reading at the first verse, and we're going to read on through uh, to the 31st verse, which is all the way to the end. So I'll give you just a few moments to to, to locate that scripture, and uh, we will proceed shortly thereafter. Just let me know that you have it. If you don't have it, let me know that as well, and I will wait until you are able to pull it up. Of course, we know 1 Corinthians is right after Romans, and right before Second Corinthians, which is right before Galatians. So, uh, when you get some time to familiarize, if you're not familiar with your, with the Word of God, uh, at least where the books are located, then take some time and, and locate those, and then we can. Then you'll find them a lot easier as you spend more and more time in the Word of God and try to commit those to memory, if you will. First Corinthians chapter twelve, starting at verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that your gen- that you were Gentiles carried away uh, up to those to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And I want you to hold on to that statement there. 
Let me read that one more time. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, one of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, I, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were one eye, where would the hearing? Where would be the hearing? If the whole, um, if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were one, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, uh, that it, that there should be no schism in the body, and that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members with it rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. All Are all apostles, are all prophets? Are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of hearing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight as we enter your presence in the precious name of Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you tonight for allowing us to be here. We honor you and give that glory and 
to your righteous and holy name. And, Father, we ask now that you teach us by your Holy Spirit that we may grow stronger in our knowledge of who you are uh, and how to apply your word to our lives, that we may walk according to your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we are your temples. Minister to us, edify us, grow us in the word of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us this evening. We're going to continue now with getting to know the Holy Spirit. Again, I want to thank each of you for joining us on tonight. It has been a month. Uh, We took that month off just to rest and to get caught up on some things, and now we're back to doing the work of the ministry. Now, a spiritual gift, I'm talking about spiritual gifts, I'm going to define that for you here real quick, and see later on within the teachings, I will uh, again define uh, spiritual gifts to some degree, but each one of the gifts that we will we will discuss on tonight, if we get to them tonight, uh, we we will um, we will uh, tell you what each of them really means, uh, and we'll probably look at look at the historical some historical um, aspects of uh, of each of the gifts as well. Uh, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. The definition I just gave is broad in its scope to include both gifts that are related to natural abilities, like teaching, for example, or showing mercy, or administration, and then uh, and gifts that seem to be more miraculous, uh, and that is less related to natural abilities, such as prophecy uh, or healing or distinguishing between spirits. Now, the reason for this is that when Paul lists spiritual gifts in Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, and, and feel free to, to ask me to, to hold up if you need me to hold up so that uh, you can write down these, these scriptures here. Um, but let me just go back. The reason for this is that when Paul lists spiritual gifts in Romans 12, 6 through 8, Again, in uh, uh, First Corinthians chapter seven, verse seven. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses eight through ten, and also verse twenty-eight of that same twelfth chapter. And then, of course, Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven. So, when Paul lists all these spiritual gifts, he includes both kinds of gifts: the natural as well as the miraculous gifts. Uh, and so, is that, you guys hearing that okay? So, notwithstanding, not every natural ability that people have is included here. So, Paul is clear that all spiritual gifts must be empowered by the one and the same spirit. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. You know, I just read something here, and I want to just read it one more time because I think it's so important. And people think that their gifts are for their own um, their own gain and their own purposes, but God gives gifts. Uh, each person God gives a gift to uh, is for not just for that individual only, but for everybody to profit from. Uh, and profit is not necessarily monetary profit. It could profit could also be uh, you gain knowledge, you gain understanding, and you grow by that knowledge, by that training, by that understanding, uh, and and you're, it makes your life much better. In other words, when you profit 
when when the, when when a specific gift ministers to you, or when the preacher ministers to you, uh, you profit from it because that minister or that person with the gift is imparting unto you uh, of the benefits or the fruit of that particular gift, and it's not restricted just to you, but to everybody in the body of Christ. And he says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And that is right there in that seventh verse of of the 12th chapter. So please understand uh, that we have gifts, but they're not ours to hold on to for ourselves. God gives those specifically so that the gifts can be used to build up the body. That is the church. So that's what, say again? Yes, sir. So we we must not, so you can't be a selfish Christian. No, sir. In, in, in the sense of you want to hold on to everything because uh, then you are, in, you could be hindering what God is going to, what God is trying to do through you in that ministry. Uh, and so every, every person within the gift, and if you're in that particular church and God has given you that gift, then that gift where God has planted you, that's where your gift should be thriving. That's where your gift should be used. And you can't walk around and hold the pastor hostage. You can't hold anybody hostage because you didn't earn that gift. You don't deserve that gift. That was the God's decision to give you that gift. Let me tell you what he says here. But, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So that tells us right then and there, right there, that neither one of us had a choice in what gifts we would receive. God made that determination before he created you. He knew what he wanted to use you for, and he knew how he wanted to use you, and he knew where he wanted to use you, when he wanted to use you, and for how long he wanted to use you. So your gift is not yours. You don't own it. You have no authority over it, and it cannot be fully realized unless unless it is being activated and operated by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And so I thank God for his word. Uh, so, again, what Paul makes this clear is that all spiritual gifts must be empowered by the one and the same spirit, they, that they are given for the common good. And that's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 7, and I read that to you already, for everybody, not just for you, uh, and that they are all to be used for edification. Uh, and, and edification is building up. And I want to touch on that edification just a little bit here, but let me finish going through what my notes here, and then I'll get to edification. I want to just talk about that just a little bit as we move forward in, in getting ready to identify and define the spiritual gifts. Uh, and so edification, that is the building up of the church. So today, as I suspected was the case during the days of the apostles, people don't want to sit long enough to try People just don't want to sit long enough to try uh, to, uh, to truly learn about what the Word of God says about the purpose of the church. Instead, they want a quick word to make them feel good and to validate something there. They twisted the Word of God to mean to them but to suit their particular purpose or situation. Unless and until those who comp- who comprise or make up the church are willing to be truly to really truly learn, there will be no true edification or building up of that particular church. 
And remember, every church, every church is just a member of a of the of the body of Christ proper. So, uh, and so, let me talk a little bit about this edification. It literally means building up. And when what it does, it approximates encouragement. And what encouragement is, it helps or it stimulates the development of believers' faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you encourage somebody, my brothers and sisters, you are helping them to develop uh, that faith and that confidence in Jesus. And you, let me tell you something. When you, when, when you can speak a word of encouragement in somebody, don't hesitate to do it because you can't, you can't even begin to imagine what, how, how that will impact their lives in such a positive way. Even when they say, even when they say no, you know what, you, and you just want to be kind and you're just being nice to me. But no, you're speaking, you're speaking life into those individuals. You're speaking life into them, and that's so important. It's easy to cut somebody down and make people feel like they're nothing and nobody. But it takes, yes. it takes somebody special in the kingdom to build somebody up and encourage them. And so, and let me tell you this too: when you encourage somebody in the Lord, you're not doing it so you can pat yourself on the back and walk around with a puffed up chest. You are there to encourage them. That's why you know that gift of encouragement, if I can use, if I can call it a gift of encouragement, is so powerful. And then, of course. Uh, not only does it approximate edification, approximate encouragement, but it also approximates consolation. And consolation really simply means comfort received from someone after a loss or disappointment. Sometimes people can be so low because of disappointment, because of hurt, because of loss, that they can't see their way out, and they find themselves locked into a certain state of mind that they can't seem to break loose of it. That's where you come in because consolation also strengthens and, and, and comforts and lets them know that everything is going to be okay. I, don't, I can't begin to fathom the depth of your pain, but I do know someone that does. God knows your pain because his son suffered on the cross. Jesus knows your pain because he suffered excruciating pain on the cross. In fact, the word excruciating was, it came about as a result of Christ's suffering on the cross. So there is someone that understands your pain, that feels your loss. Ah, and I tell you, he is there for you every step of the way. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse, verse 3. When you have it, uh, I'm going to give you just a moment to get there. I'm going to turn there myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And it says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. You just don't know what you can do if you can. It's easy, my brothers and sisters, it's easy to just make somebody feel bad. And it's it's just, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll go so far as it's just as easy to make somebody feel good if you just encourage them. I know sometimes they make you want to just break their neck. They make you want to just say all kinds of things. They make you want to just turn your back on them and walk away and not even see them again. But as a Christian, you have to demonstrate the love of Christ at all times, whether you feel like it or not. First Thessalonians, yep. Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. I love this. 
right after Colossians, right? First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eleven. Therefore, encourage one another. Mm-hmm. Therefore, encourage one another. Yeah. Each is a, yeah, and let me read what this one says. Therefore, comfort or encourage each other and edify. Edify. Not only comfort, but edify. Build up. Build up, empower, encourage, stimulate, motivate by, by, by words of faith, by words of assurance, by words of, of, of authority. Just say, I'm here to tell you, you are an excellent person. There is nothing wrong with you. You are, God has created you in a way that he has not created anybody else, and he's given you a gift that nobody else possesses like you do and will be used like you can use it. You just let them know that they are here for a purpose, that they are not a mistake, that they are not an error. So what if their parent, if their mother was raped and they are here? God through that will get the glory, and God through that will make sure that you are more than you realize. Yes, Lord. Uh, so uh, not only uh, through cur- uh, encouragement and consolation, though, but with edification, uh, edification focuses also on, uh, on the goal, on the goal. See, God has a goal, a purpose for which, for, for what he does and why he created you, why he placed these, in, these uh, gifts in us. And that encouragement falls, it focuses on uh, a goal, and that is defined as being established in faith. Every purpose, edification is built on and established in faith. We cannot, we cannot edify somebody the way God wants us to edify them. And you always want to edify somebody with a word. You always want to have a word to just build somebody up with. And, and that is just so powerful. And, and I tell you, if you want to build yourself up, go to Psalm 119 and just read one stanza at a time, and you'll hear how the psalmist just talks to God, how he longs for God's word, and how he tries his best not to violate God's word, to keep his word, to hold on to his word, because he, he thinks about God's word. He meditates on it. He walks in it. He just seeks God for greater understanding. The, word, the book of Psalms is just a book of experiences. You get to read, you get a firsthand look and peek into the lives of many people uh, because there are many that wrote the book of, of, of Psalms. Uh, and you, they talk about their experiences, their pain and their delight and their joy and their relationship with God. And it's just so beautiful. You cannot miss that. When you get a chance, treat yourself to Psalm 119. Treat yourself to the entire psalm, but particularly Psalm 119 in, in the vein that I'm speaking tonight. So. Um, uh, edification is established in faith. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Go there with me, if you will. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abandoning, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so encouragement is established by faith. And by that faith, is that, and by being rooted and grounded in faith, if you think about a tree being rooted, 
uh, and built up in, in, uh, in him. So if you think about a tree that's been planted, what is that tree? What does uh, the psalmist say in Psalm 1-1? Let me just go there real quick because uh, thank you. I just want to just read that to you there because when, when it comes to the, I think about that tree, I think about that just being planted, just rooted right there, right where it is. And, and growing right there and prospering. Why? Because it's, it's, it's rooted in the word of God. And, and you can't miss it. It says, um, see, let me go to verse 2. But his delight in the, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves are also does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I'm going to tell you, when you are rooted and grounded in the word of God, it's like you're like a tree planted in, in, the richest, in the richest of all soil, and that is the word of God. And that word, by, the, by, by that tree, the, the deeper the word gets in you, the deeper the roots of the words take a hold of your inner person, your inner man, it builds you up and empowers you and encourages you, and it establishes you in your faith. It makes you strong in your faith. and It helps you to stand even when the weather, when the winds of life start to blow against you, when all kinds of stuff come against you, you can stand on the word of God. You can be built up and rooted in the word of God, and you know, say, well, okay, God. And then that word abounding. That means overflow. And it, what did he say? Uh, he brings forth his fruit in his season, his, his, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. He does that overflow, that abounding that, with thanksgiving. You just overflow with thanksgiving because what God is doing in your life is just so much that you just have to just cry out and just gratitude and just tell him how much you love him. It's like grabbing hold of grabbing hold of your children or grabbing hold of your spouse and saying, I just love you so much. I'm just, I just want to just... Hold you. I'm just so grateful to God for you. Or and also encouragement is also about attaining unity of faith and knowledge, maturity, and the full measure of Christ. So we so encouragement and consolation, edification is just a powerful word when we really look into it and really do a word study on it and just begin to just look into where it leads us. Ephesians chapter four, verse thirteen. Ephesians chapter four, verse thirteen. How edification just works and just leads us to attaining unity of faith and knowledge and maturity and the full measure of Christ. We grow when we encourage and empower one another within the body of Christ. We walk stronger. We walk taller. Not out of not because we're prideful, because we walk in the confidence of who we belong to and what He is able to do in our lives. That's the difference between walking in pride and walking in confidence. See, pride is your own thing, but walking in the confidence of Christ, saying, I don't have the ability to do any of this stuff. All my trust is in Christ. So I walk based on the authority of Christ through faith in him. What does 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 say? We walk by faith, not by sight. So it is so important for us to understand that edification uh, Works to our attaining unity of faith. It works to our works to our attaining the unity of knowledge and maturity, and reaching the full measure of Christ. Ephesians four thirteen. Till we all, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to a perfect man, that is a mature man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. We grow in Christ as we walk and we stay in this word, we pray. And I know it seems like sometimes it just seems like, well, God, I've been in this word for days now. I've been praying and talking to you for years now, and it just doesn't seem to be working. Let me tell you something. Don't give up. Don't quit. Whatever you do, like in a job, you don't get promoted. You may be on that job for a few years, and you don't, you don't get promoted beyond your entry level. But when your employer sees that you are committed to the job, that you, you, you are, your, performance is, your performance is sustained over that period of time and that performance has been superior, let me tell you something. The doors are going to open up for you. Where you don't think that nothing is happening, something is happening. You just cannot see it. When you pray all these years consistently and you stay in the presence of God and you keep talking to God, God will honor your prayers. And the things that you are asking him for, God will open it up for you if it's going to glorify his kingdom, if it's going to glorify him, and it's going to help you out. You, you benefit from it too. Don't get me wrong. God wants us to benefit. He wants us to grow. He wants us to have things. But we must not want to think, want things to walk in pride, but we all we want it to glorify God. So, so edification is the special responsibility of the various church leaders. So, um, and that's Ephesians four, chapter four, verses eleven and twelve. Just scoot on down, just just scoot up just a couple of verses there, and you're from four thirteen, and you'll see it. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's, it's so evident and is the legitimate and it is the legitimate context for extra for the exercise of their authority. Listen, Ephesians four eleven church various church leaders have the responsibility of edifying people. You may say, Well I'm just an usher, but you are a leader. You may say that I'm just uh, I'm just a uh, um you know, I'm just a, a greeter, but you, you affect the people who are coming in. If you have a riding attitude instead of one of encouragement and, and, and joy and excitement, then you, and you're going to rub off on them. You, oh, man, that spirit just jumped on that person, and they're going to have a miserable day. They're going to be trying to fight through that thing all day. So it's important that you have the right attitude. You always want to build yourself up. When you're on your way to church, like I do, when I'm on my way to church, I'm singing in the I'm singing in the car. It just means God loves the way I sing. You may not, but God loves the way I sing. <laughs> and and I'm praying and I'm talking to him and I'm speaking in tongues and I'm just you know and I'm just telling him how great he is, how awesome he is. So when I get to church, boy, I'm ready. I, I don't need I don't need anybody to be praying. I don't need anybody to be singing because I already got my praise on. And I'm big and I'm ready to go. Yeah. So 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 uh edification is a special responsibility of various church leaders and it is the legitimate context for the exercise of their authority. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse eight. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse eight. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse eight. I love this chapter, boy. I, I really do. I love this Second Corinthians chapter ten, boy. It's just a powerful, powerful passage of scripture here. But uh, specifically, verse eight. When you have it, say I have it. If you don't have it, say wait up. But First Corinthians chapter ten verse eight. 
This is though we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's where that that comes in at. That our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God to the pulling down stronghold. So, but here I'm saying for uh, verse eight, it says here, for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for what? What did He give it to us for? Building up. That's right. Building up edification, and not for what? Destruction. See, you can use it to destroy somebody, or you can use it to build somebody up. And he says, and I shall, and I shall not be ashamed. Therefore, I write these things, being absent, less being present. I should use sharpness, according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification, and not for destruction. Paul thought it so important to say, I am, I'm more interested in building you up than than tearing you down, than destroying you. And Ephesians was a pretty, uh, and Corinthians, man, they were pretty, they were like the armpit of the world. They were, yes, sir. Really, they were just really a filthy, low-down, good-for-nothing uh, uh, race of people. But when Paul went into Corinth, man, he just began to just teach and preach the word of God, and many people's lives changed because of that. So, listen, you and I, I know better than we're, we're, when God, when Christ saved us, we were no better than the Corinthians. We were just as riding and low down as anybody. And I tell you, I'm the first and most worst of all the low down riding folks that ever that God ever saved. So spiritual gifts, are, so that's edification. The spiritual gifts are given for the edification of the church. And that's what I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, 12, verse 7. It is for the church. So of these gifts, those which involve speaking are especially important. Yeah, we just read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, some of it anyway, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. So let no corrupt word proceed. Let me just slow down so you can write this down. Because I'm getting excited here and I'm getting starting to run away with this thing. So let me just slow down a little bit. Oh, slow my roll and roll the horses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when you get some time, read that. Uh, it's really a beautiful verse. It talks about tongues, but it talks about, uh, uh, you know, in edifying. You know what? Yeah, no, I, I won't go there, but I, I, let me just move on. The next one is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And this is small enough, short enough that we can we can read this one and uh, and and keep moving forward. I do encourage everybody that sit under this teaching, under my teaching, to to go back and search the scriptures for yourself to get a greater understanding. What I say, God may reveal one thing to me, but He may reveal something very new to you out of that same past, out of the scriptures, out of this lesson. And so that's that's why it's so important for you to stay connected to the Word. I don't want you to take my word for anything. Uh, I, want you, I want you to take the word of God, so I want you to go back and study. That's what the Bereans did. That's why so many of them believed Paul, because he, because he, because he was t- teaching the word, and they went back and searched the scriptures, and they saw that what he was saying was true. That's what I want. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not Christ. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Um, but I try my best to humble myself to be used by the Holy Spirit to take advantage of uh, to take advantage of the hearing of everyone that that listens, and to, in order that they might be taught and encouraged and empowered and be edified. 
So Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary what? Building up or edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. God, you know, is just, and that grace is just that unmerited favor of God. That's that favor that you wouldn't get, you can't get anywhere else, anywhere else. This is just that divine favor. Uh, and the hearers that hear the word of God and they're edified by the word of God, um, they, they get that grace of God just pouring into their hearts. And, 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 and again, I'll give an illustration of what I'm talking about. When the grace of, when, when you're edified and the grace of God uh, is placed within your heart, is, is added to your heart, uh, it just, it's like a glass that made your heart like a like a, a glass half full of sand, uh, and the grace of God is like pure purifying water. It just flows into your heart and it pushes out the the dirt that's in there, and it leaves nothing but a heart that is clean and pure for the Lord. That's where we strive for. That's what we want. We want to be so much like Christ that every time we take a step, it's just just give Him glory, and people will notice our light. They may not understand that light, but they will see that light. And that gives us an opportunity to just minister the word of God to them. That's another approach to evangelism because people see your light, they'll want to know. And when they want to know something because they're so curious, they're going to come to you and start asking you questions. And then notice there's something different about you. What is it about you? Well, let me tell you what the difference is about me. And then you just go into it and you just tell them about the Lord. So spiritual gifts are given for the edification of the church. All elements of Christian worship should contribute to edification. In other words, the choir, when they're singing, they shouldn't be saying, oh, I just wish I was someplace else this morning instead of here. No, you want the choir needs. Every time the choir stands up to sing, it ought to be, it ought to be words of encouragement that just empowers and, and motivates and and the, the, the people, and it opens up their mind to hear something they may not have other, ever heard before, never heard the word spoken that way before. That is so powerful. Sometimes even in a song, we grow in our walk with Christ. And, and it could be somebody just walk up to you and just say, did you know that you are blessed and highly favored of the Lord on today? And it's just a word of encouragement. It's just a word of edification saying, because God gave his son for you. That's why you are so blessed. And Jesus says that if you come to him, he will give you eternal life. I, you are blessed. Everything you do, if you are touching somebody, if you are, if you laying hands on somebody, you may speak a word, speak the word of God, and that may be a word of edification for that person that's lying on that sick bed. It may, if a person has a headache and you're touching, you're touching and agreeing, you lay hands on that person, and that, and you, you know, you're speaking words of edification into that person. Every gift, every gift, those which involve speaking are especially important, but those that don't involve speaking, you know, like maybe you have a gift of administration. Maybe you have a gift of, uh, of um, well, your gift may simply be that you, you are, you're good at uh, being a mechanic. Whatever your gift is, it is used for the body. It contributes to the body's growth and its edification. All elements of Christian worship should contribute to edification. Here's what Psalm, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 14, verse 26. Uh, turn there, if you will, please, or just write it down if you if you, if you feel that you don't have time to go there. Uh, it's 7.14, and I want to be finished by 7.25 so that we can be finished by 7.30. Uh, because your time is important, and I don't want to hold you any longer than that than than the time was set. So, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse twenty-six. It says, "How is it, then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification." Listen, every one of us, every one of us, Paul is just telling us right here, every one of us has, uh, uh, every element of Christian worship should contribute to edification. And that's what I'm talking about. Every one of us can do that. Every one of us, every gift in the body of Christ can do that. Paul tells us right here, when you, whenever you come together, each, each of you has a psalm. You sing praises to God. You sing a psalm to God. Uh, each of you has a teaching. You have a word that you need to speak into somebody's heart. Each of you has a tongue. You know God has spoken to you in tongues. God may have revealed what he was saying to you through those tongues. You can edify somebody that way, but it's got to be God. It can't be your own own self. And and so you got to understand that um, more. And so, you know, you, you may have God may have revealed something to you. It's not for everybody. It's for one particular person or a group of people, or it may just be for you to edify you. But there is a revelation that God may give, and it may be for someone in the body. And as an interpretation, or it may be an interpretation of the tongues that was spoken. God may have someone speaking in tongues and then has an interpreter there to tell you what he's saying so that the whole body will benefit. Yeah, so, so it says, let all things be done for what? Edification. So, so prophecy and instruction are especially important, and you'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, and verses 18 and 19. I'll give you a chance to scoot on down just a little bit. Uh, let's go scoot up to 3, and then we'll scoot back down to verses 18 and 19. Uh, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 3 and verses 18 and 19. So prophecy and instruction are especially important. And here's where Paul says about that. But he who prophesies speaks what? Edification and exhortation and comfort to men. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, don't miss it, my brothers and sisters, don't miss it. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why? Because nobody understands tongues. So nobody understands it. So if you want to build somebody up, if you want to encourage somebody, make it plain. Simplify. Yes, make it plain. Make it simple. You don't have to be, ooh, child, I tell you. Last night, the glorification and the magnification and the authentication and the powerfulness of God just flowed over my personification, and I just can't tell you, I want a specification to you. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. But <laughs> sometimes we get so heavenly minded that we are no spiritual good. We do. We do. We do. Lord, and no earthly good. Yes, sir. <laughs> so anyway, I, I had a little fun there, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, sir. Uh, so, and here's what it says. And let me go on. So, you said, I would rather speak five words with an understanding that I may teach each that I may teach others also than to speak ten thousand words in a tongue. Edification is not all talk. Don't get, no. don't miss it. It's not all talk. No, but sir. it involves but it involves demonstrating love. Yes, sir. See, you can tell me for years that you love me, but you can show me. But in one instance, you can show me if you truly do. Come on. Come on. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. <laughs> God, I'm loving you tonight. Lord have mercy. I didn't know we would go this way, but I am so grateful. I got my notes here, so just, that's, that's what you, you got to be prepared. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now, concerning things offered to idols, we know that we have, we have, that we all have knowledge, Knowledge puffs up, but love does what? It edifies. Love builds up. You know, it's just a word, you know, that somebody, you know, it's just a, my children used to say, I can, and, they, and they would pull this on, my, on me too. They would tell their friends, they'd say, well, you know what? I don't care where I am. I can just call my dad and he'll just come pick me up. And uh-huh. And, and when I and, and when they call, I just got in the car and go, and then I went and picked them up. And they would say, "See, I told you my dad will be here. All I had to do was call him." See, God, God loves you so much that no matter where you find yourself, if you call on Him, He'll be there to pick you up. He'll be there with you. You can what? call a gazillion times; He will pick you up. That's really? that's love. No matter where you are, He will be there for you. He says, "I'm not leaving you, nor will I forsake you." That's love. Yep. And see, so many people, so many people, when they get into struggles, and they, especially in marriages, they, they get up and they walk away from the marriage. Love does love. Go to chapter, go to first chapter 13. I'm sorry, God, but no, I'm not sorry. Go to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. You guys know it. It's the love chapter. It's the love chapter. Oh, goodness. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to. I, I, yeah, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I'm just talking about love now. Uh, we, we have all kinds of definitions for love. Love kills. Love beats down. Love puts down. Love destroys. Love tears people apart. Love does all of that. Well, what is true love? What is that agape, that God kind of love? It is a love that is unconditional. No matter, no matter if you pooped on yourself, I'm going to clean you up. I may not like the smell, but I'm going to clean you up. You may, you, you may have skinned your knee. That's okay. I'm gonna, and you may have some kind of sickness, but I'm going to get down there. I'm going to get the necessary um, a de- a disinfectants that I need to, to, to cleanse out that scrape and, and put a bandage on it. I'm going to take care of you. Love can be something as simple as touching the person that says, you know what, you're all right. It doesn't have to be that big. Here's what he says. Amen. <clears throat> Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I become sounding brass or a clanging, clanging cymbal. I'm just a bunch of noise, that's all. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am what? Nothing. Nothing. And, though, and though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it benefits or profits me nothing. I haven't done anything. Love, it says here, suffers long. It doesn't say when you in your marriage and you start having problems, you run away. That's what so many people do. They divorce their wife. They don't even divorce their wives. They don't divorce their husband. They just abandon them and leave the children and the woman or the children and the man there, and they have to struggle, struggle, struggle and do all of that on their own uh, and, and cover all the bills that you help make up, that they help, you know, create. So, Love endures. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not get jealous. Love does not parade itself in pride. Love is not all puffed up and boastful like I'm it and that's it. Nobody else is there. Not, it does not have it does not behave rudely. You know, you, you get upset with your spouse, I know that, but to get upset and to make a scene in public, what's wrong with you? You know that kind of stuff does not. It does not seek its own. It's not. It is not provoked. Love, love, love can become made angry. Thinks, uh, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endure all things. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying be a fool for somebody. I'm not yeah. saying be be used and abused by somebody. That's different. Amen. So, and that's what God is saying. So love never fails. Yep. But, whether, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For you know a lot of people, you've heard a lot of people have Alzheimer and dementia and all that kind of stuff. The knowledge they had is gone. They can't even use it anymore because they don't know how to use it because they're gone. Their mind is gone. But we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Uh, I love it. When I was a child, Paul said, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away or I became a grown-up woman. I put away childish things. For now we in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall, and we're going to deal with that a little bit later on down the road. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Here's the, here's the kicker right here. And now abides faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Lord have mercy. So, so, um, so edification is not just all about talk. It involves a demonstration of love. Uh-huh. Do, do you really love me? Show me you love me. Uh-huh. You, 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 you can tell me that. You can tell me. Uh, and and we, have, we have grown-ups on the phone. I don't know if we have any young folks on the phone. But, uh, you know, you can tell me you love me just so you can bed me. But then after you bed me, you're gone someplace and tell us to do whatever you want to do. No, baby, uh-huh. you, you, you love me and you show me you love me. That's not a physical kind of thing. It is a spiritual kind of thing. you got to love me, and i got to know that you love me. 
And that's why uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, Now concerning the things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And then consider, and then not only does edification, uh, is edification demonstrated in love, but it also is in consideration of those who are weak in the faith. We, with Romans 1, 15, rather, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, because edification is also a consideration for those weak in the faith. faith. So we want to be able to build them up as well. First Romans chapter 15, uh, verses 1 and 2. Oh, man, it's 727. I'm, I got to end right here with this one here. Jeepers, you guys didn't let me, you guys didn't stop me. You can't shut it off. You can't shut that off. No stuff. <laughs> 15, 1 and 2. Lord have mercy. I, I'm, I'm just into it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm just into it. Okay, verse uh, verses 1 and 2, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. We then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. Um, so don't get lost in yourself when you're doing these things. Don't walk around patting yourself on the back. Some people have, some people have, some people are weak and they need encouragement, they need empowerment. That's not a time for you to go on, a, on an ego trip. That's not a time for you to build up your ego. It's a time to build them up, and that's what edification is all about. And apparently that's all I'm going to be able to get to tonight from, from uh, just to deal with the edification part of it. And you have to lay this foundation. I feel I need to lay this foundation because the gifts of the Spirit are not just for one person but for the entire body. And the whole body and every gift edifies the body. And that's why it's so important to lay this foundation as we, as we move forward in describing and defining and identifying and describing and defining the different gifts of the Spirit of God. So uh, if there are no other, um, are there any prayers or any comments that uh, you, you have so that I can, uh, before we, before we uh, close up here? I'd like for you to pray for me, please. Yes, ma'am. In fact, I've prayed for you uh, this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You got it. I'm going to keep on doing it. Thank you. You're worthy of it. Amen. And, Doc, I would like for you to pray for me as well. Okay. Miss Loretta? Hey. Hey, babe. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit under the weather, but I'm good. That's good. That's good. God, we Hi, Marie. Yes. You good? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. You know, I'm good. I I can't complain. I know that's real. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, well, let's pray. God, our Father, we come before you this evening in Jesus' name. God, trusting and believing in you and knowing that you are a God that hears and that you are a God that responds and not just a God in word only, but you are a God in deed as well, in deed. And so, Lord God, whatever things we desire, you say, um, when we pray, believe, we receive them and we shall have them. And so we thank you tonight, Lord God. Let me, let me pause just for a second, if I can, please. All library computers.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.